This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. And now, Joe and Pat present Sports Talk's Person of the Day. And that will take care of Bautista. Overpowered on the 97-mile-per-hour fastball. Uh, Conforto's out of there on strikes. Number nine for Snell. Well, if the Twins play tonight, they will have the uh, the uh, burden of facing Blake Ashton Snell, the 26-year-old, uh, 25-year-old left-hander who was drafted number one by the Tampa Bay Rays and uh, back in 2011 taken in the first round by uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. Tall, skinny kid. You wondered about him. Have you guys seen a photo of this guy? Or you seen mm-hmm. him? Yep. This is a hillbilly-looking fella, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. He's from Washington. He's from Seattle, Washington. But he looks like he Jerry Kill's neighbor in Kansas someplace. <laughs> He's uh, really a hillbilly-looking kid. But man alive, as he uh, as he made the fantastic turnaround. He was going to go to the University of Washington, of course, and then he got drafted in the first round. He uh, ended up, uh, he just made the climb up through the system. 2016, he ended up, uh, they started that season for the Rays. He missed the first couple of weeks, but he started that season for the Rays. And he's been good. He was 6-8 uh, and eight the first year, you know, kind of learning how to do it. He was ERA was 354. Last year, 24 starts, he was 8-7 and seven with a 404 ERA. And now it has all come together. Uh, 19 game, 19 starts, 12 and four, 116 innings, only 75 hits off him in 116 innings. He walks a few people, not many, 44, and he has 132 strikeouts in 116 innings. And uh, he's gotten to the point where, when I, uh, as I said earlier today, when I was walking by the manager's office early uh, yesterday morning. And I was disappointed to see my guy Asta Dilo was not in the lineup again. And I said, hey, when are you going to put my guy in the lineup, Asta Dilo? He says, I'm saving him for Snell. Mm. So he's now gotten to the point where he's one of those pitchers where... you got to do matchups. You, you, yeah. Well, he's yeah. one of those pitchers where you mention his name and it's, there's some, some, I wouldn't say magic to it, but there's some... You know, pizzazz. Some there's some pizzazz about it. That's what's, how good he's been. What's interesting about him too is I watched. He pitched against the Twins in Tampa. 
uh, when the when the boys went down there mm-hmm. and got swept. I mean, he's a he's a great pitcher. Don't get me wrong, but he doesn't throw with a tremendous amount of velo, as we like well, to say. Well, is he? You know, he's uh, he can get it up ninety six or so. Oh, yeah, I thought yeah, he was. Well, a, in that highlight, I think that he he struck somebody out yeah. on ninety seven. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, you know, but uh, yeah, he'll he'll be pitching tonight. How did and he not make the, the All Star team? Well, by the way? he's gonna. They got to figure out a way to get him on there yet. Uh, this this has been treated. As a bigger disgrace than anybody else not making the All-Star team. This is a big story. Kenny Rosenthal wrote that it's such a big deal. According to uh, Kenny Rosenthal, the All-Star snub of Blake Snell and the ensuing criticism for players like Chris Archer and Justin Verlander will result in MLVB revamping its player vote process for this Midsummer Classic. They're going to take some action. Baseball is open to pushing back the player vote just as it pushed back the fan balloting after making the process entirely electronic. Uh, the uh, it, Verlander said, under the current system, the players receive their paper ballots on June 15th mm. and and have to and are expected to return them shortly thereafter, three weeks before the teams are named. And Verlander pointed this out, do it on an iPad two days before it's a it's a, it's an out mm-hmm. yeah. and then because Snell is you know the last three weeks has been pretty much unhittable so or, or you know he would have he would have even the players who don't really give a damn about what's going on with es- anybody else except themselves especially when be stupid enough to ignore him especially when like Jay Happ gets on and he's got yes. like an ERA of four and a half because yes. he's been brutal his last couple of starts. You know what else Snell is, too, by the way? He's the rare guy that was actually drafted and developed by Tampa, not acquired from a trade. Because, you know, Archer and some of those other guys they've had were all acquired in trades. Yeah, well, they, boy, they're they're pretty damn good, man. I mean, they lost Friedman, and everybody thought that was the magic of that sure. operation. But, uh, they're. I mean, how, does, how are they doing this? Look at that collection. They're four games over. They won five in a row. They're going to look at the pitching matchups for this weekend. If the boys win one, I'll be shocked. <laughs> you know, it's, it's you know Sunday they it they apparent it appears they're going to break out Aaron Sleggers again on Sunday because they haven't oh set him down. Oh boy! So they need a starter. I suppose they're saying, okay, one good, one bad. Let's see. But that's not big league stuff. You know, that's unfortunately nice kid, six foot ten, gets him out in Triple A, but he's not throwing big league stuff. So. Yeah. Not uh, where's the Gomez sound? But I was trying. You asked how it was being done. I was trying to find. Thank you for helping me be faster. <laughs> I can't find it anywhere. Yeah, and uh, by the way, the uh, worst slogan in the history of All Star balloting uh, wound up getting Eddie Rosario finished fourth. Yes, finished fourth out of five. <laughs> Nobody accepted that keep, Rosie. Keep the Rosie or whatever the hell the damn thing is. <laughs> I don't know. It's time to make some big changes over there in your uh, ad department. I will handle the ads department. from here on out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. You know, mine would have said, Rosie got robbed. Do something about there it. There you go. You know, let's be more. Yeah, let's insult those people. Come That's on. right. Let's get yeah, him in there. Yes, okay. Although he never had a chance. How about Stanton uh, finishing third? I was a little bit shocked by that, yeah, too. I didn't Yorkers think the Segura guy had a chance. I don't think they, they, they're probably not in love with him because they love the judge. That's they true. Love the judge. Yeah, How many yeah. big lugs can you love? What do you bet Stanton ends up hitting like twenty five home runs after the All Star? Oh well, he's going to get. He's going to hit fifty. Yeah. Yeah, he's already in the twenties, right? I think so. Yeah. And judge got twenty five. 
They've got a, they got the most home runs at this point. Uh, they got 154 already going into last night. Gosh. And they haven't started hitting them yet. They haven't warmed up. Wait till they get Manny Machado. That's coming. That's coming. I hate your team, John. Right. I really do. All right. We'll be back. Uh, Jess Meyer stopping by a little hockey talk. Jess Myers has stopped in for what we're calling the hockey quarter hour. Quarter hour. We've we've cut back. We're true. We got uh, Mark Topkin from uh, Tampa Bay Times to talk about the Miracle Rays a little later. All right. Have they built the new ballpark yet with the see-through ceiling that they proposed? It looks gorgeous, doesn't it? You thought the Metrodome was bad for catching foul balls. Yeah, that might be a little Yeah, It looks gorgeous. It's about uh, $880 or something. They're only about $700 short. So outside of that. And down in Florida... like 28,000 seats or something. I mean, yeah, it's like. Yeah, it's going to be 30. They're going to hold uh, 30,000 people. Ybor City, though. Nice, nice part of town. Yeah, it is down there. And yeah. there's they claim there's going to be a lot of parking, but I wouldn't hold my breath waiting for. Uh, oh, they have that trolley, though. I, I think this is the Rays' last chance before they end up in Montreal or some damn place. Hey, okay. The big thing that's been percolating in college hockey all summer. Or all spring and summer, they're trying to figure out what to do about overtime. Right, because and now they 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 first came out and said, okay, all leagues are going to have to play one ten minute five on five overtime. Right, five minute five on five. Five minutes. So in other words, they don't solve... want to do ten minutes because the ice starts to deteriorate. Well, you know? so they'll solve at least. 12% of their overtimes if they play 5-on-5 <laughs> right. five five for 5 minutes, as they proved previously, right? Right, right. And, you know, so so right now half the conferences do 5 minutes of 5-on-5, five five and then they just call it a tie. Yes. The other half do 5 minutes of 5-on-5, five five, and at which point it officially goes in the books as a tie, no matter what you do yes. beyond that. Then they play 5 minutes of 3-on-3. Three three. If it's still tied... Then they go to a shootout. That's okay. half the conferences but do that they, one way. The NCAA, the, the repair-wise and all these, don't recognize right. those overtimes. They don't. Those so are they just want, for conference points. But they want a system that is uh, consistent and actually figures into wins and losses in pairwise, Correct. right? Correct. So what are we going to do? So here's what's going to happen. Okay. It's not officially yet, but here's what's going to happen. It's going to be five on five for five minutes and then a tie everywhere because you're not going to be able to force the Eastern conferences to play three on three. There's just not the will well, for why, it. Why don't they like them? You know, the, the spokesman for it is Mike Schaefer, who's the coach at Cornell, who's, you know, he's got a winning record. He coaches boring hockey, I uh-huh. think. He's, he's a Jacques Lemaire, clamp it down, win two to one, that kind of game. He loves the five on five. He said, you know, what's wrong with ties? Why, why are ties a bad thing? On the other side of it, you've got our Why friend. Why bother then? Why well, not, you know, and, just say, and okay, time. They've pointed out that baseball, college baseball, college football, college basketball, there are no ties anymore. They play to a result. Yes. Why does hockey still allow ties? And he said, you know, ties have been part of our game for a long time. He also admitted. Yeah, but how the, does he become the spokesman for the whole group? He's I mean, one guy. He can't have all the boats. And, and he's speaking on behalf of. He says, you know, the ECAC and Hockey East. And but these, do these we know Eastern that schools. for sure? We don't know that for sure. Now they haven't polled those coaches on it that I've seen. They did poll the Western coaches who voted eighteen to zero that they want three on three in a shootout. They yeah. like it. They yeah. think it's well, an why acceptable. Why don't we skip the? Why don't we play three on three and skip the shootout? 
and well, then let you have a tie if you can't settle it in three on three. The thought behind a shootout is if you're going to have a final result, you're going to have to have a shootout in the regular season. You're not going to play endless overtimes until you get a winner like you do no, with basketball. No, but what I'm saying is play three on three for 10 minutes. Like the NHL does. Or play Go three, right on three, three on three for seven minutes, and then... Then you can have a tie if you don't want to have the shootout. Now, some people say three-on-three is an abomination because it's not hockey. Keep in mind... It's fun to watch. Keep in mind, it's part of the game because if each team gets two penalties, you play three-on-three. That's how you do it. And here's the other thing. It's more more legitimate and fun than the shootout. Everybody thought the shootout was great. The shootout sucks. But (laughs) the three-on-three is fun. You're not a shootout fan. The three-on-three is fun to watch. Team USA won a gold medal by a shootout this year. I saw Finland and Sweden play in Lillehammer, and they... I think that was the first time, and they had a shootout. Sweden and Canada. The Canadians are still okay. mad about it because because Tommy Salo, the goalie for the for the Swedes, stopped Paul Korea in a shootout, and that's how the Swedes won the gold medal. Canadian, the Canadians didn't like it then; they don't like it now. Okay, all right. So you think on the other good. side of it, you think so they're going to boring wins. In other words, that boring is going to win out. I think. Okay. And Schaefer admitted one of the things that horks him off. They were in a tournament a couple of years ago at Madison Square Garden. They tied Boston University. He said it was a good tie. Then they go to a shootout, and all of our alumni says we lost the game. He says we didn't lose the game; we lost lost the yeah, shootout. But so he doesn't the like deal. the shootout. What are you going to do? Uh, what are you going to do if you're in a tournament? Uh, like the Mariucci Classic, and somebody's got to advance. You're not going to play all night. You won't play all night, but after five minutes of overtime, they'll say, okay, that officially goes in the books as a tie. Okay, and then they can And then we'll have a shootout or something to determine, to, to who, advances. To determine who advances. Now, none of this will affect the NCAA playoffs. They're going to keep it the same in the NCAA playoffs, where if you're tied after regulation, they resurface, playing, and man. they play 20 minutes of yeah. regular five-on-five five overtime. And you play 20 more minutes. And, yes, until you get a winner. Yeah. No, well, no, no, you f- guys, Saratori is very upset. Oh, about Frank this. Saratori, who's who's fun to talk to, and yes. the best the best part is, you know, I put in a text to Frank. Hey, we need to talk about this. I'm driving to a soccer game with my wife and daughter when he calls, and of course, it's on speaker in the car. And uh-huh. Frank was colorful as he always is, but on the record, he just said, "You know what? We're in the entertainment business. We're past the stage where hockey was seven on seven. We're past the stage where you couldn't pass the puck forward, which is my favorite. <laughs> my favorite quirk of hockey from like the nineteen teens when Hobie Baker was playing. Yeah, it was like soccer. Yeah, you, you pass the you puck. couldn't pass the puck forward. The only way to advance the puck was by skating. You could pass it backward. Uh-huh. But the you know unless you were shooting at the net you couldn't propel the puck forward it was fantastic so he said let's move on everybody loves three on three everybody loves shootouts let's let's be entertaining and you know and he just can't get as much traction as he's going to need for it um, how many schools we got now sixty sixty and there's only eighteen that are considered west. Uh, no, 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 no. Well, cease, cease, no, there's more than that because you have NCHC, to add in the Big Ten now. So, so 25 of them are considered okay. West. Okay. Including like Penn State, so, which is considered a Western team. Only 18 team. bothered to vote? Seven the of them NCHC passed. and the WCHA polled all 18 of their coaches. All 18 of them, keep in mind, who have tried it yeah. have said, yeah, we love it. It's a well, good Frank, thing. Frank, of course, is in an Eastern Conference. You're right. He's, the he's only in Colorado voice. Springs yeah, and, right. and, and he's in an Eastern Conference. And he said, you know, in this story I wrote for The Athletic, they have a tie because that's the what their conference does. And all these fans in Colorado are saying, 
Why don't you play three on three like Denver does and like Colorado College does and like the Avalanche do? You know, he said, this is where we are with hockey now. Why can't we do this on the college I agree that uh, there should be a common result because looking at the standings is idiotic. But, uh, and there is, but but the idea that you're still going to play. How about four on four? Maybe we can. Nobody likes four on four anymore. Why? I don't know. They they tried it, and then you know the NHL did the four on four for a little while. Then somebody said, "Well, let's try three on three. And three on three is so crazy to watch that now everybody's like, "Ah, "Here's the deal. We don't want if you play four on four and somebody gets a penalty, then you can play four on three. You can't play three on two. You know what they do though." What? If you're playing three on three and somebody gets a penalty, you get to add a guy. So you play four on three okay. at that point. All right. It's it's goofy that you know, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the uh, the college hockey has always been so overtly political that they had to come up with a a selection system that has no subjectivity in it at all. No. Uh-uh. It's all what the computer said. Right. I mean, the NCAA Which is how. The NCAA, you don't even have a selection committee anymore. No, no, it's all just a computer system, the the RPI. And only because they spent their whole time stabbing each other in the back. Which which is great. You have a system called the RPI. You also have a college called RPI that gets in (laughs) as a result of the RPI every now and then, which isn't confusing at all, but yeah. How my Bulldogs are going to be as defending champs? Are they going to be good? You know what's odd is... They lost a lot. Last year, they win the national championship in what was supposed to be the rebuilding year. So, did they have many guys uh, leave them? They lost. Uh, Joey Anderson went to the New Jersey Devils. They've got Perunovic coming back. Their their stellar defenseman who went in the second round. Oh, he the, decided to, to come back. He, yeah. He's coming back. And Riley Tufty's coming back. He was a first okay. rounder from Dallas. He's playing in the Beauty League, by the way. You can go see him play. So, and Hunter mm-hmm. Miska, who was their goalie two years ago when they went to the national championship game, is playing. He's in the uh, Coyote system now. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. By the way, okay. if you're going to go down see the Iowa Wild, they're going to have a new coach. They found out today their coach is leaving. Derek Lalonde, who had been their coach for mm-hmm. a couple of years down in Iowa, got hired as an assistant coach with the Tampa Bay Lightning today. So Really good for he's, who's he's, coaching the Lightning? John Cooper is oh, the coach oh, down there. Re- was he re- Okay. Cooper Cooper and Lalonde were both head coaches for the Green Bay Gamblers. They've had a connection going way back. Lalonde was at Denver under George Washington. When are these guys going to make a big trade? Yeah, I got to do something. When, when is right now? There aren't haven't just, been any. Aren't HL we just tweaking? We're, Where just... Is, we're not tweaking. We're going to make a big trade. <laughs> when is the uh, generally speaking? When do NHL trades start getting made? Because it's been pretty quiet. So well, far. generally speaking, they happen you know around the draft, but it was quiet this year. A lot of it had to do with John Tavares. They were waiting to see where he went and for how much money. But uh, yeah, you look at what's going on in the Central Division, and the Wild are quickly falling behind if they don't do something. And congratulations, by the way, speaking of the Central Division, Connor Hellebuck's getting about $6 million a year now from Winnipeg. Oh, he signed really? a new contract today. So really? Lock, I wouldn't do that. I don't think he's Lock up a goalie for six years? I don't, I don't know if he's the man. I don't know. He may. He looked a little shaky to me. Goalies come in, in and out of favor pretty quickly. So to give a guy six years at you know $6 million per or, or, or more than that is a, is a bold move on their part. What's a Big Buff's uh, contract? Has he got a long-term? I think, I think he's still got two years left. Okay. They love him in Winnipeg. Oh, oh man, love do they him. love yeah. that guy. Yeah. Well, they should love him. Yeah. They should love yeah, Big he's Buff. Fun. Big Buff scares you. He moves around the, <laughs> move around the ice. Amatsko, uh, they're they're signing guys left and right. Huh? They're, they're signing guys, and he's poaching a few guys that he had yeah, co- right. recruited to St. Cloud State. He got them to, you know. We've watched that before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everybody, uh, I think uh, 
uh, Philip Fleck uh, took eleven <laughs> Western Michigan guys or something like that. Yeah, well, that's something like you know went and went. Come on, hey, and they all leave and say how much they hate to go, and then they turn around and say. I'm going to get your players. <laughs> That's all right. My Huskies will be fine. This guy's supposed to be good. Yeah, Brett Larson's Larson. a, a great coach. You know, he, he's one of those guys, too, that's been talked about a coach in waiting at, at UMD for years if Scott Sandlin ever, you know, takes one of the many offers he supposedly gets from the NHL. So, so yeah, that'll when be When do we get a final verdict? Uh, we actually have a final verdict on the overtime unless somebody changes is it's five minutes, right? We have, we have gotten a final verdict. They're going to go to the five minutes, uh, five on five. Now they've had a comment period for the last three weeks or so, they're going to have a conference call looking like next week where they're going to either okay. reaffirm that they're going with the five-on-five five or they're going to reconsider the vote. I'll make you a bet. Okay. Every college overtime with five-on-five, five, when they when they don't have a result, you give me two bucks. When they do have a result, I'll give you five bucks. All right. That's, right. that's probably a good bet because yeah. w- most of the time they, they get some kind of result. I don't know. Nah, no, they don't. You don't think so? Nobody ever. Playing for when ties? the NHL had five on five, they never got a result. You're right. Never got Nobody a result. Nobody would take any risks yeah. in those last five minutes. All right, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Boy, that Blake Snell is lucky. <laughs> he might get rained out. He might not have to face my guy Willens Astadio tonight. It's, uh, uh, it's looking bad out there. I know I'm negotiating uh, if we're going to be playing tonight here, it's, too. It's I raining mean, very not. hard in the northern uh, metro. Well, so. I uh, you you just felt that much humidity here today and knew that uh, something it, it was going to happen. Last. Hey, Johnny, before we do the uh-huh. sports update, I got a, I saw a little item. Charles Barkley is playing in that celebrity, the American Century Celebrity <laughs> Golf Tournament again. Uh-huh. And uh, in, uh, you know, up there in Lake Tahoe where they have gambling. And the local uh, gambling uh, center, the uh, Harvey's Lake Tahoe Hotel and Casino. Mm-hmm. Charles odds the Charles odds on Charles winning the tournament are six thousand to one. <laughs> if he wins, you can get six thousand. And the guy said, "We've had a few bets made on Charles, but they're usually laughing when they do." It. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet they are. That is the worst swing ever seen in golf. Yeah, put down ten. What the hell? Yeah. All righty. <laughs> yeah, I suppose we can give the Twins lineup again, but I don't know why. That yeah, does it, not look good out there. No, and it's, it's uh, on the radar. It's. Uh, it's heavy and getting heavier. And how say. far back? Does it look like it's like out in it, Alexandria or yeah, Kenny's keeps, Farm? It keeps forming uh, more mm-hmm. and more forms out west. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> this update sponsored by Indeed. Are you hiring with Indeed? You can post a job in minutes, set up screener questions, then zero in on qualified candidates in an online dashboard. Get started at Indeed.com slash hire. Weather permitting, Twins will open up that four-game series tonight against Tampa Bay at Target Field. Kyle Gibson goes for the Twins. Lefty Blake (laughs) Snell will pitch for the Rays. Uh, Twins today put Logan Morrison on the 10-day disabled list. He's got a left hip impingement. Uh, Era Adrianza gets back from the disabled list and is already in the lineup tonight. Uh, Maurer, Rosario, Dozier, Grossman, Polanco, Astudio, Kepler, Adrianza, and Bobby Wilson with uh, Escobar sitting this evening. Those guys... uh... The yeah. skies look very, very encouraging, John, for them to get that yeah. game. You know what tonight. they are? They're angry. They're <laughs> yeah. angry sky. You know, a gentleman for years, uh, when Zoilo Versalles first came here, uh, we, good old Minnesotans in 1961, <laughs> called him Versalis 
for uh-huh. about uh, three years before somebody <laughs> pointed out to us that a double L was a Y yes. in, uh, mm-hmm. in uh, Spanish. So. Yes. Yeah, we call them Versalis. And we also call them Zorro because we couldn't figure out Zoilo either. <laughs> hey, buddy, how do we... Uh... <laughs> Zorro Versalis became Zoilo Versalis. Uh, other games today, the A's, they keep going. They beat Houston 6-4. to four Three out of four, right? And the one they huh? lost was with the guy... That's right. The ball yeah. seven yeah. feet. Right. Oakland has now won 19 of their last 24. How, John? They are how? rolling. You know what? Baseball's a funny game. Hey, did you see my thing today on Jake Cave? Yeah. Uh, three guys, including Chad Pinder from Oakland and uh, the left-handed pitcher in Cincinnati, Kyle Crockett, mm-hmm. played in the same 10- to 12-year-old team. I read and, that, and I didn't believe it. I swear yeah, to God, I didn't big, believe that. Three big yeah. leaguers. I did not know the Kadire connection, too. That's pretty cool. Yeah, well, that, that area's gotten very uh, a lot of baseball there. Colorado beat Arizona 5-1 to one today, and the only other game going on, Baltimore and Philly, just started at zip-zip in the we second. We had two 19-run games yesterday. Cleveland scored 19, and Colorado scored 19, and that Descalso, Des the infielder, yeah. mm-hmm. came in in the fourth inning, which was the earliest uh, uh, position player pitched in 50 years or something. Wow. Would today be a good day to tweet at... Uh, Twins president and say we should move this to U.S. Bank Stadium. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think they could do it. There's nothing going on there. Yeah. Let's, let's just tell everybody to go over there. <laughs> that, I actually felt bad for him when the, all those snowouts were cold. Oh, God, it was ridiculous. <laughs> we are not playing U.S. Bank Stadium. <laughs> He's a very Stadium. calm individual, but it's uh-huh. fun to see him when he gets uh, when Well, he his, gets, pro- you know his problem is he's too active on social media. <laughs> he likes to interact with the fans too much. The Lynx made it official today. They signed forward uh, Erlana Larkins to a seven-day contract. Uh, that had been coming. Everybody knew about it. The eight-year veteran, her last six with Indiana, has a career average of 6.1 points, five and a half rebounds. Uh, she's been healing from a bone bruise in her knee. She sustained that We need one. a backup for Rebecca because Rebecca's been a little bit injured. Yep. Playing overseas yeah. last winter. Uh, it's likely she'll be eased in by the Lynx. Uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame will not acknowledge Terrell Owens individually during enshrinement weekend in Canton, Ohio, according to the Hall's executive Since director. He's not going to be there. Huh? Yep. yep. Executive director Joe Horgan said the focus is on the guys who are here. There's no reason to bring him up as an individual. He's not here. Terrell, you're a knothead. Thank you, Johnny. You bet. Mark Topkin covers the Tampa Bay Rays for the Tampa Bay Times. And uh, last time I saw you, I got to admit, I didn't expect the Rays to be 48 and 44 at this point of the season. Well, I, and I think actually going back to the last time I saw you in sunny Florida, you were among the people looking at Kevin Cash like he had six heads when he was talking about going with a three-man rotation. <laughs> yes. And, and we, didn't, we didn't even know then. That was the easy part, but the crazier part was they were going to start using a guy to pitch one inning, the opener, which they've done now, uh, I think it's 19 times, and it's worked pretty well. I was going to ask you, what is it? They look at the matchups and then go lefty-righty to start the game, or what? It's not even that complex, which is crazy, because that's what I thought the key to it was the first couple times they did it, but now they're actually just doing it in a situation where it allows them to start somebody, and he pitches the first you know, inning or two, three to six outs, and uh, basically, the idea being he faces the tough hitters the first time through, and then somebody comes in after him, and either that guy can pitch four or five innings and kind of take it from there, which they've done a few times. And sometimes that is lefty-righty. 
Other times, depending on the score, they just go with a couple guys for like two innings each and keep flipping it around and trying to find, you know, catch a lead, catch an advantage, and then kind of turn it over to the one inning short guys in the bullpen. It's really a to say unconventional innovative <laughs> probably does it disservice. It's unconventional for T-ball. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Well, Hunter so Wood pit. Like last night, Hunter Wood started right and pitched one inning. He just, he just, they just got him, but he pitched one inning, right? Right. He just came up from AAA, and they've been doing this. The other thing that's interesting is they've been doing this in all their minor league uh, levels, at, you know, Port Charlotte, uh, Montgomery, AA, and Durham AAA, to get some of these guys used to it, so that they won't think it's the craziest thing ever when they get the opportunity or, or get the uh, the burden, however you want to look at it. But it's been working. I mean, it, it, I don't know how sustainable it is, and obviously they've been running through a lot of bullpen arms. But, you know, somehow Cash and uh, Kyle Snyder, the pitching coach, deserves credit for this. Obviously, the front office does a ton of data and research on this and, you know, gives them an idea of what matchups and who to use. But, you know, there have been a couple days where they've kind of run out of pitchers, and Cash has admitted that, you know, the bullpen gets taxed and they have to have a day where they kind of have to just kind of wear whatever it is, you know, whether they have a lead or a loss, and just keep somebody out there. But, you know, they're back to, as crazy as it sounds, a three-man rotation now. Chris yes. Archer's back. You'll, you'll see him in two days. Uh, so they were doing it with two for a while, and that's insane. And they were going with three days in a row of bullpen days or opener days and mixing them up. So uh, this will allow them, and I think coming out of the break, assuming they haven't traded Evaldi by then, which will happen. Yeah. Oh, really? They could split those guys up a little bit. He, yeah, they're getting a lot of interest right now on Evaldi, and I think he's a guy that um, you know will probably end up getting moved because he's on a one-year deal with really no you know no chance of resigning. He's going to make a lot of money out there. He's not making that much now, but they they're going to move him. So then they might then it might be Snell and Archer. Yeah, Archer and Snell, and what the hell? Is that- <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, but how many pitchers have they used? Uh, how many guys have taken the mound for them? I, I believe I think the number uh, is fourteen starters already, which is like a team record. They, yeah. Last year they used eight. Uh, and I think they've used 25 pitchers, maybe. They've used, I think, three position players already as well. They've had some games where they just ran out of arms. Yeah. So this is, I mean, what they've kind of done, and this is like in all seriousness, is they've taken the standard roles of starter and reliever. And they've also kind of done this with their players in terms of some of these guys that are bouncing from infield to outfield. They've kind of shattered a lot of the standard roles and kind of have like, you know, there's five or six guys that have their job. I mean, Wilson Ramos is yeah. the starting catcher. Blake Snell's the top pitcher right now, but... The other 17, 18, 19 guys, kind of interchangeable, whether it's from starter to reliever or infielder to outfielder. I know one of the things people are saying, well, they're going to cost, cost, starter, cost starters wins. Hell, it's great for a guy who's a regular starter. Uh, Hunter Wood pitches one inning. I come in. I don't have to go five. I can go three and a third and end up winning if they give me a lead. So, I mean, it's... Right, it, it's right. Far- it works both ways. Yeah, it works. some guys that are going to go to arbitration, though, and they're going to be like, Hey, buddy, you got a lot of innings, but you don't have any starts and you don't have any saves. So these are just kind of middle inning innings here. No, not really. <laughs> hey, uh, well, what's amazing about it is during this process, of course, they were trying to get down the payroll down under seventy, right? When I saw you in spring training, and they managed yep. to get rid of Span. Uh, they had to move Columet to do it, but they have done this while still unloading payroll during the season. Yeah, they're in a and they're in a position where I, I, honestly, even though they're you know winning a lot of games right now, and yeah. you know people are getting a little excited about this, 
the reality is, you know, they're 13 games out, I think, in the division, and they're yep. 10 or so out for the <laughs> second wild card, which is one, you know, go to play one game at Boston or New York. Well, that's a, you got a really good chance there. Yeah. So, you know, really, they're going to still make some more moves. So they're going to be in a position probably after July 31st. They're going to trade, I think, Ramos, probably Romo. Uh, we talked about Ovaldi. Archer's going to be in play. He always is. Echeverria is going to get traded. So they're going to trade a bunch of these guys. They're going to go into next year, Patrick, where they're only going to have about $20 million committed as far as wow. fielding a team. Now, you would certainly think they're going to add to that. But as far as you know, how that unfolds, it's pretty interesting. Uh, Ramos is a free agent, right? He'll be a free agent after this year. Yeah, and okay. I'm sure coming home to hang out with you back in Minnesota where he started would be high on the list. But I don't think that's going to Well, this club is, uh, you know... They should have kept him eight years ago, and it wouldn't have been a problem. (laughs) When they traded him for Matt Caps and ended up winning the division by eight games or some damn thing, it was unbelievable. So, who has in the who by position has played really well for them to allow them to put up this kind of record? Well, I think you look at Matt Duffy at third base, who's a guy who missed all of last year with an injury. He's come back and he's pitched really well. I played really well. Excuse me. He's in the top ten in the American League in hitting. Um, as you go around the team, I was actually doing a half-season review thing, working on it a little bit this morning, and a guy that you wouldn't expect, but I think you could make a pretty good case, at least in the top two or three for team MVP, is Daniel Robertson. Okay. He started the year as a platoon second baseman, and he's actually, you know, he's up there, one of their offensive leaders, and he's also been a guy who's been able to play any position they've asked him to, so he's done a lot for them as well. And, and uh, the pitching staff overall. Here's another crazy thing. They've done everything they've done, and their two best players have hardly done anything, Kiermaier and Archer. Yeah, right. Uh, is Kiermaier, he's DL right now, or is he playing? No, he's back. He okay. Back, uh, he's been back about three weeks now, and just in the last week or so, he's actually started to show some life. He's still hitting under, I think, 150, but he was in a big hole, and then he missed two months, and he's still trying to dig his way out of it. How about this Jake Bowers guy they just called a big, a big power hitter type of guy? He's only 22. Yeah, probably more of like an Eric Hosmer type of guy. Okay. I mean, some power, but a really good defensive player and a really good ability to barrel up the ball. Puts a lot of balls in play. Has a really good eye. Draws a lot of walks. So he's a guy that's going to be a keeper. They've actually started playing him a little bit in the outfield. And they just brought up G-Man Choi, who uh, I don't was he here at one point? He was a guy that they've kind of had their eye on for a while. They got him from Milwaukee in the Brad Miller trade. Oh yeah, yeah. He has he's up now, he, and he's going to play a little bit. So. They keep moving these parts around, and somehow it all fits together. Yeah, and so uh, do you know, when you talk to Cash before the game, does he kind of let you know what the pitching plan is? Or do you know that the reliever is going to start on those days, right? Well, it's weird. There's, there's literally, like, something they put in the game notes sometimes. They've kind of created this whole new vocabulary and vernacular of how this thing works because – when it's an opener, you know he's only going to get three to six outs, and they'll sometimes okay. tell us who's going to pitch after him. Okay. But when it's a bullpen day, then it's just kind of they'll tell you who starts, and then it just kind of goes from there. They figure it out as they go. And sometimes that changes. Like, And one day, this is crazy. This guy's on the DL now, Vidal Nuno, but he takes a long time to warm up. So one day, Ryan Stanek was the opener, and as he threw his first pitch of the game, Nuno got up in the bullpen to start warming up. <laughs> it was the weirdest freaking thing. And obviously at the trot, the bullpens are out in the open because they're down the baseline. So we saw it happening. It's like, what is going on? Well, uh, 25 years from now when historians are looking at it, they're going to think 
and they don't remember what was going on. They won't. They think Ryan Stanek is the worst starter in history. He's had eleven starts and he's pitched thirty-one innings. Well, and, and as crazy as that sounds, on the other hand, he just broke one of Sandy Koufax's records or something for ten straight starts without giving up a run. <laughs> How big is the asterisk on that stuff? Yeah, that better be a pretty good-sized asterisk on that one. Uh, that's uh, astounding. Hey, uh, so uh, Logan Morrison is under 200. They just put him on the DL with a bad hip. Uh, you were kind of cautious about him when I was talking to you about him this spring. That uh, You know, he, he goes to the pump virtually every swing and is trying to hit a home run. And uh, when you get off, to, it's it's almost the same start he had for the Rays two years ago in 2016, right? right? Right, and he battled his way out of that, but you're right. I mean, great guy. I mean, first of all, great guy. I mean, takes it seriously, works his butt off, so don't let anyone misconstrue that. But, yeah, he just he's one of those guys where he's kind of your classic all-or-nothing type player, and when he gets hot, and last year he was hot for a long period yeah. of time, but there's sure some rough stretches in there when he's not hot that look pretty bad, and obviously you guys have seen an extended one right now. Yeah, well, he's, uh, I mean, Snow's not around here right now, but it was it was pretty much, uh, you know, they had times when those two guys were batting back-to-back, and you got the right-hander who's got the big uppercut, wild swing, trying to hit the ball as it, he's got about a three-inch uh, period to hit the ball in, and then you got the left-hander doing the same. <laughs> it is, Odorizzi's a very ordinary starter, too. Not a, you know, not terrible. He had a really bad three-game stretch, but he's he doesn't get you six very often. Yeah, I mean, there's a thing, last year, he just has a stretch where he kind of has the same outing every time. He gives you five or six, he gives up two or three runs, he gives up six or seven hits, he walks a couple guys, it's kind of the same stat every time, and yeah, I don't know if, you know, people thought, or the Twins thought, you know, the experience and being in the Central would help him break through that, I kind of thought he'd be doing a little bit better, because we always hear from these pitchers, and you don't know how tough it is facing... The Red Sox and Yankees all the yeah. time and stuff, but apparently it didn't make much difference because he's kind of having the same year again. Yeah, he'll give up a home run, and uh, that, yeah. I guess that comes from trying to throw that high fastball. But uh, yeah, the uh, it's been a real disappointing season up here. What is amazing about the American League uh, topper, I think, is everyone is talking about oh the imbalance of baseball uh, and what a boring season with all these bad teams yet. I, I was texting with you last night. You got Seattle, which is way better than anybody thought. You got Tampa, which is way better than anybody thought. You got Oakland, which is so you got three surprise teams in the American League. And and you know, I don't I don't want to give you know too much credit here, but opening day we were talking to the owner of the Rays, Stu Sternberg. Yes. And he said he said, you know, what's realistic, you know, because he's usually fairly realistic. You know, he's not a guy who says we're gonna win hundred every year. And he said, you know, I think we're better than people are going to give us credit for. We see it as there's like the four really, really good teams in the American League, which would be Boston, New York, at that point they thought, and Houston. He said, and then we think there's three or four really bad teams. Mm -hmm. And then we think there's three or four middle teams, and we think we're toward the top of that middle group. And that's kind of exactly how this has played out, if you think about it. I mean, Cleveland hasn't played nearly as well as they're supposed to, but they're still going to probably be the best team in the Central. Yeah, no no doubt and about then, that. If they win 20 more, they're going to win the division. Right. So <laughs> you look at that, and, and he, he's kind of right. Now, the thing is, I think they're too far behind Seattle, and then you don't know what's happening with the Angels based on is Otani coming back? Are they yeah. going to be buyers or sellers? So they're still a little bit of a player in this. But, you know, it's kind of unfolded the way he said it would. 
I just don't think they're going to quite get there when they make these couple trades that they're going to make. I think that'll probably kind of end the real end the reality and the fantasy of it. That's a, a beautiful drawing of a th- of a boutique ballpark down there on the water in uh, Tampa. Unfortunately, uh, they got to find uh, seven hundred million dollars to go with their one hundred and fifty to make it work, huh? Well, he did. Uh, he did come up yesterday and talk to our editorial board and said they're going to go in more than one fifty. Okay, but not multi- not multiples of that. <laughs> I took that to mean somewhere between one fifty and two ninety nine five. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, look, it's going to take an incredible amount of effort and cooperation, both governmental and business people. You know, the Tampa business people, you know, that area have kind of been. You know, it's like here. I mean, I don't know how the cooperation is Minneapolis St. Paul, but you know, there's a great divide when it comes to spending money down there and. The Tampa people have been pretty much like, hey, St. Pete's got a baseball team. Cool. You guys have fun. We'll come over when we want to see the Yankees or the Red Sox. <laughs> yeah. So now the Rays are saying, hey, we're moving to Tampa. All you business people, if you really value having a baseball team, you need to step up. We need money for naming rights, corporate suites, you know, name our, you know, whatever, however you do it, name the gates, name the party areas. But, you know, they're looking for people that maybe spent ten dollars or $20,000 on some season tickets to now spend a million dollars or a couple million dollars in support. Well, uh, good luck to them. Uh, they certainly, with the operation they have there, deserve it more than Miami did when they got their stadium. So, yeah, and that's and you know that's kind of one of the things hanging over the race head is, you know, even like Tuesday is, and it was impressive. Look, I'm as, I'm trying to be as cynical as any other writer, and no one could be at your level, but I'm trying. <laughs> you know, you try to figure this thing out. You're like, all right, we know all the pitfalls, but this these drawings, this. This concept, this is really cool. There was yes. a huge wow factor, Pat, and yeah. it was hard to not get excited about it. And then, you know, you just kind of wonder, are they going to get any cooperation? But even on that day, you had people bringing up Miami, 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 and it's going to hang over their heads because the Miami people, you know, kind of made it such a bad deal for the public. And it turned out so bad as far as how the team ended up. And they're still trying to dig out of that hole. And Derek, you just got a lot of work to do down there. All right. Hey, Topper, see you at the yard, sir. Thanks for your time. All right, buddy. Okay. Uh, Mark Topkin, uh, Tampa Bay Times, one of the best baseball writers in the country. Uh, you're not going to use that as a soundbite, are you? Uh, the, 100%. Uh, <laughs> all right. We'll be back.